Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? We was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. The BSN Nuggets podcast is presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online, mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20, BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here late Sunday night after the Nuggets fall to the Wizards. What a weird night at Pepsi Center. Nicole Jokic gets ejected for the second time in 15 days. Denver falls to a Washington team that is not a very good basketball team. This night, well, some portions of this night, I thought, Christian, were predictable. How similar did this game unfold, do you think, to that win a couple weeks ago against the Detroit Pistons that Denver eked out? Well, it was similar to that Pistons game. Um, Nuggets got up by 15 points against Washington. It looked like they were going to put the game away, maybe go up by, by 20 and just ice this one. And yet again, they let an inferior team back into it. It hasn't really come back to bite them in the last couple of weeks. They've mostly been able to pull them out, even though they haven't played well for long stretches. But tonight, it finally did come back to bite them. Yeah, Denver gets up huge in the first quarter and then eventually lets an inferior opponent back into the game. And, I mean, that's what we saw tonight. I want to get to Jokic's ejection here in a bit because that was really the big storyline to come out of this game and a couple extracurriculars as well which we'll hit on but maybe the bigger takeaway from tonight and I spent a lot of time talking about this after that loss to Houston that was the third straight game where Denver hadn't hit 100 points their second game in three games where they failed to score 90 they score 115 in Oklahoma City have their way against the Thunder Again, Denver can't break the 100-point mark. They barely get to 90 here against the Wizards. What's going on on offense, you think? Well, that was the the question in the locker room afterwards. Um, I mean, to me, it just seems like 
they're missing shots, to be honest. Um, I mean, I thought they got a lot of really good looks from three, and, and they're just not converting. And, look, these stretchers are, are going to crop up throughout the regular season, but you look at some of their performances in the last week and a half or so, Denver went 7 of 29 from distance against Indiana, 7 of 27 against Detroit, 4 of 24 at Houston, and 7 of 36 tonight in this game. You know, I, I really do think their biggest issue is that they're missing really makeable shots. Um, you know, I, I did think they they lacked some energy in the second half. They they weren't playing with the pace that they needed to, but the cliche is it's a make-or-miss league, and, you know, lately Denver's just missing. So the Nuggets shot 10 of 46 from the field in the second half. That's 22% for all you non-mathematicians out there. They also shot 3 of 19 from three-point range in the second half. That is 16%. So they missed a ton of shots, and I agree with you. They missed a lot of open looks, too. I'm sure when the NBA.com tracking data comes out Monday, you'll see that Denver missed a lot of uncontested looks in this one. I don't think the Wizards are this stalwart defense that was really locking down the Nuggets or anything like that. Just seemed like they missed shots, and you know, post-game, as expected, guys didn't have a ton of answers. Paul Millsap, who usually has an answer for most things, didn't really have much of an explanation as to where these offensive struggles, not just tonight, but over really three of the last four games have originated. A lot of guys just seem a bit lost for words, but this was a tough loss. Like I haven't seen Michael Malone that down in quite a while, maybe since that home loss against the Anthony Davis Les Pelicans. Like when has he been that quick with the media? Uh, that down, that disappointed in a defeat. It's been a while, I feel like, and that same energy was kind of felt throughout the locker room. Oh, totally. I mean, spirits were down everywhere. Will Barton is is usually kind of the emotional leader and voice of this team, and he didn't have a whole lot to say after the game. Paul, Mil- Paul Millsap is another guy you'd kind of classify who's like that, and you know, he just kept saying, I don't know, uh, really. I mean, Nikola Jokic was the only guy who could do anything offensively in this game. Yeah, uh, He shot 11 for 15 from the field. He had 23 points. I mean, just look at the lines for the other guys. Barton was 4 of 15. Gary Harris was 4 of 13. Denver really needs those two guys to get going. Uh, they have not been up to par for their usual selves lately. Um, and look, I, I know injuries have a lot to do with kind of derailing both of their seasons, but Denver needs both of those guys to get going in particular. I mean, there were other guys who, who struggled shooting the ball, Paul Millsap as well. But, yeah, man, I mean, two-thirds of their, their starting backcourt is really struggling to shoot the ball right now. Yeah, like you said, Gary Harris, nine points in this one. He really had a nice stretch uh, about a couple weeks back where I pretty much just pronounced that he was back from the multitude of injuries he suffered this season. And he hasn't really looked the same as he did during that stretch over the last couple of weeks. I mean, this is his second straight game in single digits. He's hit double digits just once in these last four. That was against Houston when he scored 11 points. He has not been really efficient. I'll just say over these last four games, one of five from the field against the Pistons, four of 11 from the field against the Rockets, three of seven against Oklahoma City, and four 13 tonight against the Wizards. I'm not sure what it is with him. He, he looks healthy, um, but like you said, it does take time to reestablish a rhythm, and, and maybe that's what we're seeing with him. Uh, Will Barton, kind of the same, although he's scored the ball pretty well, I, I felt like, since he's uh, 
come back, but at times hasn't done so efficiently. And for him, it's that same thing, especially because his injury was more severe than you know Gary's or anything. He goes 4-15 tonight, 2-10 uh, from the field. Going back to what you were saying about Jokic, he dominated this game from the onset in the first quarter. He had Denver's first 10 points. He scored 14 points in the first quarter before he had to go to the locker room because of a bloody nose, an errant wrist or an errant hand from uh, Bobby Portis as the Wizards forward was driving to the rim, caught Jokic, and he had to leave the game for a bit. And then we'll get to the ejection shortly, which uh, happened in the second half and kind of overshadowed the entire game. But he was scoring at absolute will against the Wizards in that first quarter, really just like dribbling around Bobby Portis, it felt like. Yeah, he was absolutely dominant. Um, You know, I tweeted, I believe in the first half, I don't see any way that that any voter can have Jokic lower than third in MVP voting. So blame that ejection on me is basically what I'm saying. (laughs) I, I totally jinxed Jokic there, but... Uh, I thought this was a pretty interesting quote from Bobby Portis after the game. He said, the game plan is to play him one-on-one. If he scores, he scores. You'd rather have him scoring the ball than him getting his teammates involved. When all his guys are rolling, they're a tough team to stop. I think we could see teams you know, follow a similar strategy come playoff time, too. Yeah. Like Just try to make Jokic beat you as a scorer. I mean, he was fantastic tonight, and look, I, th- I still think the other Nuggets got plenty of good looks in this game. Like, this was a very, very winnable game for Denver. Oh, th- this was a game that Denver should have won by 15 points, you know? Yeah. It was just unacceptable, really, how they lost this one. But I do think there there's something to that, what Portis was saying. Like, the, the Wizards just aren't good enough to, to beat the Nuggets consistently. They got lucky tonight. Jokic's ejection was kind of fluky. But, yeah, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if other teams try to do that come playoff time and just, and just say, Jokic, like, you got to go for 35 tonight for y'all to win. I'd agree with uh, what Portis said, probably. It does seem like there's a, a bit of a game plan emerging for how teams will try to stop Nikola Jokic, and I guess that's the the smart defensive scheme. I, I think I've said that on this podcast before. I would rather play him one-on-one and not let him get into that facilitator-playmaker mode and get everybody else going. I think that's the way to potentially stop the Nuggets. That's where the Nuggets' energy comes from. I mean, that's when they look the most energized, when the ball is flying around and everybody's getting the touch of it on every possession. Yeah. And it's weird because, yeah, Jokic scored 10 points right away. He was obviously taking advantage of the Wizards only playing him with Thomas Bryant. But Denver had a, a great rhythm up and down the roster in that first quarter, it felt like. And then that kind of dissipated as the game went on. We got a lot more to get to for sure on this show. Nicole Jokic got ejected for a uh, second time in 15 days. So we will get to that in a second. First, let's hit a quick break, though. We'll be right back. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. 
That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com and use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. The Nuggets let the Wizards back in this game. I mean, that was Denver's fault over the second half, especially in a third quarter where the Nuggets scored a grand total of 10 points and Denver only scored 28 points in the second half. But you still felt like they were going to win this game, or at least I did, until Nikola Jokic got ejected in the fourth quarter by referee James Capers for arguing a call. Jokic got fouled. The referees missed it. Nikola reacted like we've seen him do to referees before this season. He blew up. He blew a gasket and got tossed. What did you see on that play? Well, I thought this whole sequence was just representative of Nikola Jokic's general experience with the officials this season, in particular this month, because it was clearly a foul. I mean, Bobby Portis slapped him in the back with both hands. It looked like to me that Bobby Portis was almost intentionally fouling him. And it was pretty bad that the officials missed that call. I, I think that Jokic does not get a fair whistle. He is not treated like one of the premier players in the NBA. And, and looks to superstars just get a beneficial whistle in the NBA. That's just how it is. But Jokic should not have lost his cool like that. It was it was pretty unacceptable, honestly, for for him to just go nuclear like that. I mean, this game was tied at 88 with 3:47 to go. The Nuggets scored two points the rest of the game. Yeah, like Jokic getting ejected completely screwed them. It was it was the reason they lost. I mean, I I think they were probably favored at that point in the game. They they kind of had some momentum there after Jokic's bucket. But yeah, th- this completely screwed them and. I liked what Michael Malone said afterwards. Uh, he pretty much drew a line in the sand. He said he can't get tossed. I don't care what they do to him or how bad the refereeing is. Foul call, no foul call, it doesn't matter. He's too valuable for our team. Yeah, he's right. He's right. Michael Malone is exactly right. This is the second time in 15 days Nikola Jokic has been ejected. Both ejections have been for arguing with the officials. The Tony brothers ejection was a crap ejection. You know, it's really seemed like Tony Brothers baited Jokic into that one. This one, with the way Jokic reacted, I'm not sure there's anything the ref really could have done in that situation. But going back to that quote, I mean, Michael Malone is right. Jokic has got to keep his emotions in check. He's got to keep calm in those situations. He does not get a fair whistle. He doesn't get officiated like one of the 10 best players in the league. He doesn't get officiated like an MVP candidate, which he is this season. And I agree, he's probably third in MVP voting right now, or should be third. But he's just got to learn how to overcome that. And I think that will come. That will come with age and as he spends more years in this league. But he is hurting the team when he blows up like that. You know, sometimes I worry because I, I don't want to like appear like I'm biased. I, I Sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm too close to the team because, I, I mean, I really do think that Jokic gets an unfair whistle. Um, and I was kind of looking at some of the numbers, like, do these back up what what I'm seeing with the eye test? Here's one that kind of stuck out to me. Jokic shoots 4.5 free throws per game. 
That's 25th out of the 34 NBA players who average at least 20 per game. So, I mean, for him to be in the, the bottom third or the bottom fourth out of high-volume scores in the NBA is pretty shocking to me because this is a guy who scores most of his baskets inside. I mean, he's really, you know, living at the rim this year where he's scoring the ball. He hasn't even had the three ball going that much. So that one really stuck, stuck out to me. You know, why does Jokic get a tough whistle sometimes? I, I think it's kind of a, a twofold issue. Number one is... I think he kind of brings it on himself by by just complaining so much. Like there are times when he complains after he even gets the call, and that's kind of unacceptable. And he can't really be doing that. And I think the other thing is too, he just doesn't look like a superstar. Like he's doughy. I mean, he, he just doesn't look like he should be one of the five or ten best players in the NBA physically, but he is. You only have to look at Nikola Jokic's arms to tell how much he gets hacked in a game this was another game where the game had to be stopped because Nikola Jokic was bleeding I mean he, he gets cut up during games battered bruised and you know he's not going to the line as much as he should will that change going forward I think I think eventually it will but it doesn't seem like it's changing right now I mean it's not changing right now which is why I thought what Malone said was important. Uh, basically, just told Jokic, control what you can control. Um, you, you just can't get so angry. Um, Malone said, hopefully he'll learn from his mistakes. I think this is a definitely concern for Jokic and the Nuggets come playoff time, too, because these games are only going to get more physical. The right. refs are only going to continue to swallow their, their whistles even more. Right. Jokic cannot have one, one of these blow-ups in a, in a playoff game. That's an important point because... Bobby Portis said this after the game too, but some guys you can get under their skin. And this was a physical game between Jokic and Portis. There were a couple incidents. like When uh, Portis clocked Jokic in the nose and gave him a bloody nose in the first quarter and Jokic had to leave the game. Then there was another incident where Bobby Portis pretty much went for a piggyback ride on Nicole Jokic around the hoop. And so things had kind of been brewing between those two. And then, like, I don't know if it, w- it was a case of Bobby Portis getting under Jokic's skin. I don't, I don't really think so. But guys will try to do that in the playoffs. You know, that's a uh, game plan now for opposing bigs. They're going to try to get under his skin. They're going to try to get reactions like that from him and get him out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that it wasn't Bobby Portis that frustrated him as the officials. Uh, you notice there, Bobby Portis like bear hugged Jokic at, at one point. Um, yeah, the piggyback ride. Yeah, it was, it was just called a, a common foul. You notice Jokic didn't make any moves towards Bobby Portis, which is a smart move because Bobby Portis is like the NBA equivalent of Medusa. Uh, <laughs> if you look him in the eyes, I mean, he won't turn you to stone, but he'll just break your jaw, especially if your name's Nicola. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean what continues to happen if he's able to keep his emotions and check more because if he gets tossed from a playoff game you know nuggets probably aren't winning that game just just like they lost this one so that's really got to be part of his game where he grows he's got to grow in his ability to keep his emotions in check keep calm when things get tight because a playoff environment is going to be a lot different than a Sunday night against the Washington Wizards. Before we move on, a quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. We're really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure to check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. 
Coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019, BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, what else did you take away from this loss? Well, I don't know, you know, the actual percentage points, but but Denver shot of hanging on to a top two seed uh, was dealt a, a little bit of a blow tonight. I mean, man, getting this one after just a great feel-good win in OKC would have really helped their chances. And, and now that lead over the Rockets is back at two and a half games. We know that the Rockets have the tiebreaker. So if they finish with identical records, then Houston is going to get the top, that top two seed. But yeah, Denver Denver had a chance to keep pace with Golden State uh, going into you know a game in Golden State against them and dropped it. So yeah, man, I mean, the, the odds that they finish with this top two seed, I mean, they're hurt I don't want to say significantly, but definitely a little bit. Tonight. No, because this was a game that the odds makers and you know everybody projecting what seeds would go to which teams in the Western Conference. This was a game that everybody had down as a win for Denver. And com- coming into this one, I felt really good about the Nuggets getting the two seed. I felt like they pretty much had the lock on that. And they still have the inside track on that. There's still two and a half games up on Houston, but the Rockets have the tiebreaker. So really, that's one and a half games. And Denver's got a really tough schedule down the stretch. So now after this loss, I'm kind of up in the air in terms of what seed I think the Nuggets will get. And this loss definitely changed things. Denver's closing stretch is just freaking brutal, too. I mean, let's look at these last six games. At Golden State versus San Antonio versus Portland at Portland at Utah versus Minnesota. I mean, those are are five teams that are going to be in in the Western Conference playoff picture with Denver and then last night of the regular season against Minnesota it feels like those games are always close even though Minnesota is not that great this year (laughs) right right I think the closing stretch could be a good thing for Denver to be honest I mean what do we know about this team and it's been a case in point over this last stretch they kind of let the Pistons hang around and they go make easy work of the Thunder they let the Wizards hang around I wouldn't be surprised if they give Golden State a really good game on Tuesday, to be quite honest, and I wouldn't be totally shocked if they won that game. But this team still plays up and down a bit to their competition. And with a closing stretch where you're going against the Warriors and the Jazz and then that home-and-home against the Blazers and uh, the Spurs thrown in there, I could see Denver playing up to that competition, you know, and stringing together a bunch of wins over high-quality teams down the stretch. So... I don't think this loss is going to be the beginning of a close to the season where Denver fades a bit. I think it's kind of a one-game, one-off here, and I would expect them to play up to their competition the rest of the way, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, maybe this closing stretch in April will force the Nuggets to get their shit together a little bit because there was kind of this malaise in the the last half of March, and they were winning, too. Like, that was the thing. They were... They're playing poorly in a, during a lot of the stretch, and they're still pulling out games. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that second half against Indiana was pretty rough. That Dallas game was pretty rough until they turned it on at the end. I mean, they beat the Knicks by almost 20 points, and they played terrible the whole game. So, yeah, maybe those will bring the best out of the Nuggets and you know force them to, to get a little more serious because, you know, it's it's just natural, too. They're, they're playing so well to 
you, you just can't play balls to the wall the entire 82-game season. Yeah, and my feeling around this team right now is they just want to get to the playoffs already. They've been talking about the playoffs for two years, you know, three years. They just want to get there. They've already clinched, obviously. They clinched back in Boston two weeks ago. They just want to get to the postseason and see what playoff basketball is all about. I asked Michael Malone about this before the game because I read a piece by Tom Haberstroh over the weekend about how momentum heading into the playoffs is a total myth, and there's really no correlation between how well a team closes the regular season and how well they play in the playoffs. I asked Michael Malone if the playoff teams that he's been on, the Cavaliers, the Pelicans, the Warriors, if he's felt like strong closes to the regular season have set them up for good playoff runs. And I'm curious to get your take on it. Do you think it's important for this team to be playing really good basketball before the playoffs, or do you think they can flip the switch, I guess? I mean, I I certainly think they're capable of of flipping the switch. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's like if if they kind of sputter into the playoffs, I'm not going to be overly concerned. Like if they go three and three or two and a four, I'm not going to be that worried. But yeah, I would would definitely feel a lot better if – they looked good against some really good teams down the stretch, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just not going to panic because I think the Nuggets can definitely flip a switch or whatever. My thinking on it, and I wouldn't necessarily panic or anything either, but my thinking on the whole flipping the switch scenario, I think certain teams out there are more capable of flipping a switch than others. Take the Warriors, for example. They can obviously flip a switch. Take any team that LeBron James has been on. They can flip that switch. I think every team can flip a switch, but teams like that are definitely more capable. I personally feel like for the Nuggets, I think it's important for them to find some type of good rhythm before the playoffs. Somewhat because they haven't been there before. Obviously, they don't have the playoff experience that some of these other teams do. But also, it's just about building good habits. And I think they need to build good habits over the final few games of the regular season before they get into the playoffs. So I would feel much better about their chances in the first round if they were playing better basketball over the final couple games of the year. What I want to see during this closing stretch is if Gary Harris can string some you know, positive games together because this has kind of gone you know, under the radar and we've excused you know, some some below average play from him to these injuries, which I think is legitimate. I think all these injuries have contributed to him to really a kind of a disappointing season for him. But but Gary's now shooting 42.5% from the field. He's sitting at 35% from three. This is a guy who in the in the two previous seasons shot 50% and 49% from the field. And if you average it, the three-point was really at 40% from three. I mean, his efficiency is way down. And I'm just not seeing the explosiveness. I'm not seeing, you know, him hitting those lanes, going to the basket like I'm accustomed to. It would, it would really encourage me to to see Gary Harris, you know, have a couple strong games down the stretch. Definitely. And the other thing to get to from tonight, Jamal Murray exited this game in the third quarter after tweaking his left ankle, the same ankle that caused him to miss six games earlier this season. And, We know Jamal Murray isn't one to miss games or get held out of games casually. He's a guy who's going to play through injuries, play through pain, and you really got to hold him down to keep him off the court. I saw him leave the arena tonight 
with a slight limp, didn't look like anything crazy, no walking boot or anything, but that's concerning as well. He's had ankle trouble this entire season, going back to before training camp where he kind of got off to a rough start this season because he was battling a pretty bad ankle injury. And so this has cropped up again, but it's always alarming when he's held out of a game because of how we know Jamal Murray likes to play through everything. And this was after what Michael Malone called Jamal Murray's most complete game in a Nuggets uniform. I mean, this was one game after Jamal probably played his best game in a Nuggets uniform. And he played on the ankle, right, in the second quarter because he injured it in the first half. I threw out a tweet, of course, my take on Jamal Murray that he plays better when he gets hurt. And he played through that injury up until halftime, came out in the third quarter, started the third quarter, and then got subbed off for good with like four minutes or so remaining in the third. So the adrenaline must have settled down or whatnot. I'm not not sure what happened. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right that anytime Jamal Murray's held out of a game, that's definitely a warning sign because he's always a guy who's going to fight and try to be back in the game. So, I mean, really, that's the biggest thing for the Nuggets in these final six. Just avoid injuries, please, God. Right. Do you think that... The events that happened tonight, Nicole Jokic getting ejected, Jamal Murray leaving the game and not returning with an injury, do you think that in any way influences how Michael Malone chooses to rest guys over the remaining six games? Their magic number to lock in home court in the first round, I believe, is one. So... They've almost locked in that top four seed. Do you think after that, or I mean, they're going to get that, you know, they could get that tomorrow if uh, certain teams lose. Do you think they'd look to rest guys more aggressively based on what happened tonight? Oh, it's an interesting question. I mean, this, you got Golden State Tuesday and then San Antonio Wednesday, a back to back. Um, there, there are two back to backs remaining. Um, that one, and then there's Utah, Minnesota, the final two games of the regular season. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing Malone is going to rest any of the major contributors until Denver at least gets home court locked up. Um, that, that's so crucial for this team based on how just awesome it, it is at, at Pepsi Center this season tonight, notwithstanding. So, yeah, I would I would imagine he waits until they got home court locked up, but I could I could definitely see you know, that that final game against Minnesota, which is on the second night of back-to-back, is one that a lot of major contributors set out. Oh, for sure. I would be shocked if anybody played in that game, to be quite honest. That will be like the Atlanta-Milwaukee game from Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon where Tim Frazier played like 55 minutes in an overtime game. That's going to be like Brandon Goodwin. Um, so, I mean, they could clinch home court advantage – on Tuesday, you know, they don't even have to win another game. They just need a couple losses from a few teams. So uh, that could happen really soon. If it was me, I would still be trying to shoot for that number two seed, to be quite honest. Uh, I would still try to shoot for the two seed and guaranteed home court advantage, you know, through the second round of the playoffs. I mean, I would still be gunning for the one seed so you don't have to play Golden State or Houston in the second round. Right, but but just with the schedule, the one seed just doesn't seem super realistic to me unless you beat the Warriors Tuesday. 
Because if you beat the Warriors Tuesday, you probably have the tiebreaker, right? That season series would be 2-2, and then it would go to conference record or division record. I think the Nuggets might have that. But if they lose to the Warriors Tuesday, I don't really see a path to the one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, the the plan changes a little bit if, if you lose in Golden State, but you got to be going for that game as much as you can, I think. Yeah, the other part about resting players, which is tough, is I'm sure Michael Malone wants to see Gary Harris and Will Barton find themselves here. And if you start resting them before they find their rhythms, you kind of don't know what you're getting from them in the playoffs, right? It's kind of incredible that Denver has had this dream season and and both Barton and Harris have been underwhelming for them. Yeah. I mean, that just speaks to Nikola Jokic's brilliance and a couple other things, too. I mean, incredible depth. But, man, I mean, those guys have have really struggled, and Denver still has a chance to win the second-most games in franchise history. Who is the most favorable matchup for the Nuggets uh, playoff-wise, do you think? Do you think it's still the Clippers? Yeah, I I think it's still the Clippers. Where would you rank the Thunder in that scenario? I would say they're they're right behind the Clippers now. Um, I would I would still want the Clippers, but yeah, I mean, if if I'm Denver, OKC right after them, I would I would rather face OKC than San Antonio, and definitely Utah. San Antonio is such a scary team to face. I feel like because of the arena they play in, just because you're going up against Popovich. Although one of our cohorts in the media will say Greg Popovich is an overrated playoff coach. <laughs> I won't call him out by name. I agree. I think the Thunder or Spurs, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. The one thing I would feel good about with the Nuggets playing the Thunder is, like, I'm not going to say for sure Denver would beat OKC in a playoff series, but what I do know if those two teams matched up in the postseason is that the Nuggets aren't going to be intimidated by the Thunder if they go up against them. The Nuggets would go into that series with a ton of confidence after sweeping the Thunder four times this year. They've won two games in Oklahoma City on the second night of back-to-backs as well. That's a series I think the Nuggets would feel confident in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's just so weird, the NBA, how certain teams have other teams' numbers. and But, yeah, Denver would, I think, have a, really be favored against Oklahoma City. Um, well, it's so weird, too. Because I wrote about this after this latest win in Oklahoma City, but Nuggets have managed to hold Paul George to like 41% shooting from the field this year. Same thing with Russell Westbrook. He's also shooting 41% from the field against Denver, but Westbrook has not had a terribly efficient season. Paul George, really up until this last three-week stretcher show where his shoulders have been bothering him, He's had almost an MVP year. He's been great on the offensive end of the floor, and he's the type of player, the 6'8", 6'9", wing, who typically kills Denver, yet the Nuggets have managed to hold him and Westbrook in check this season. Maybe they match up really good with the Thunder. Nicole Jokic just dominates Steven Adams, and the Thunder role players haven't really killed Denver too badly. Yeah, the, the Paul George thing is so strange because he's exactly the type of guy you'd expect would kill Denver. Will Barton, Paul George stopper? It was for one game. Yeah. I Uh, mean, and uh, Paul George had a decent game against Denver uh, the other night, but he wasn't 
at that same MVP level he has been in previous matchups against them. It's tough. Thunder or Spurs? That's tough. I would say the Clippers are still the most favorable. I might go Spurs second most favorable, then Thunder, then Portland with the Nurkic injury, then Utah, Houston, and Golden State in that order. But we're close here, and the bottom of the West is still really close. I mean, the Jazz at number five and the Thunder at number eight at the time of this recording are only two and a half games separated from one another. So it's still really tight. The morale on this team just just seems so low after this game, and it's just one loss. I don't know. Do you think the team just just got a a little too low, or do you think it was deserved that everybody was down in the dumps tonight? Yeah, I think it was probably a result of a bunch of the events that happened, like Jokic's ejection and just how they lost. And I mean, I'm sure Michael Malone delivered a message post-game that was pretty to the point, you know, but this was a tough one. I agree. The morale on this team is definitely not where it was, you know, a month ago. I I just think they're a bit mentally fatigued by the season. And like I said at the top, it's kind of ready for the playoffs to start. Is all of this because the regular season is just 10 games too long? I think it's part of that. It's part of that for sure. And I agree. I think the regular season should be like 70 games or something. But, you know, you'd still be feeling somewhat of a mental fatigue after 70 games. But 82 games is is a bit much. Bring on the playoffs wind. That's what I say. Yeah, I think we're all ready for the playoffs. I think the Nuggets are as well. But a weird vibe. I had a feeling coming in that this was going to be one of those games where you never quite know what was going to happen. And even after the Nuggets raced off to that first quarter start... You could totally see a scenario with Washington coming back as the Pistons did uh, last week. So in that sense, I'm not terribly surprised by tonight's outcome. You know, I know the Wizards aren't good, but they played hard, and they have some fun guys on their team. Like Thomas Sadoransky, the boy. Sado's a baller. Uh, Thomas Bryant is really fun to watch. He's killed Denver both Another Lakers... uh, outcast yeah just any undersized center who's athletic and, and goes really hard is always going to kill who Denver. may have been around the lakers for like a week or something just pick him up <laughs> if yeah. it's a guy under 25 who was drafted by the lakers or signed by the lakers and gets released just go get him yeah and trey brown jr balled out 24 points that that was, had to be his best game as a pro right he's a kid i, I was a fan of troy brown jr in the draft process Loyal listeners of the BSN Nuggets podcast know that. I was a fan of the wing out of Oregon. And, yeah, it seems like he's turning into a decent player for them. All right, well, I think that's all we got for today's show. Thanks for listening, guys. If you have a question for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394. If you got a second, drop us a quick five-star review on iTunes. Literally takes two seconds. Search BSN Nuggets podcast. Click on those five stars. Really helps us out with the podcast, really helps us grow, and we would really appreciate that. Tough one for the Nuggets tonight. They fall to uh, the Wizards, 95-90. to Denver's fourth game in their last five where they fail to score 100 points. The shots are not falling. And I guess the last thing I'll say is it's not like the shots aren't falling because the Nuggets are playing their big guns a lot of minutes. 
the minutes aren't super high right now. Yeah, Mike Malone had cut down his rotation, but since then he's expanded. I mean, Trey Lyles is getting consistent rotation minutes now over these last couple of games. It's not like Nicole Jokic and you know, Gary Harris and Wilbarton are playing tons and tons of minutes. That's not why the shots aren't falling. There are other reasons. Maybe they're just not going in, and, and that will turn soon here. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with another episode on Tuesday. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.